he texted me that really stuck stuck out to me was he said like it's obviously easier said than done but one day you're going to you're going to be done playing baseball and I don't want you to regret not enjoying it Welcome to the Champion Forward podcast here we discuss the balance and relationship between elite sports performance and emotional health we interview athletes, their families, and their coaches to hear their unique perspectives, identify how they've stayed connected along the way, and dive into their distinct purposes as human beings that transcend their performance as athletes. Join us on the journey. Yeah, thanks, John. I uh, was drinking coffee out of my Ian Hat mug this morning, just looking forward to this conversation with you. Do you have the mug? Uh, yeah, it's over there. It's on my other desk. What's it you says, see like, it? Ian Coffee Here. makes me happy Hold or on. something. Ian Hat makes me coffee. That's right. He made, he made my coffee this morning. <laughs> Even though he doesn't know it. Uh, he's, he's headed for a, a big year, right? I mean... Hopefully, well, it's always a big year, John. Every year is a big year. So, what but, would you typically be feeling right now, a couple weeks out from spring training, when we're recording this episode? Well, I, obviously, you want to feel prepared for the season. So, guys, workouts are really important. Uh, they're they're probably if they've been doing all their lifting, they're probably starting to deload some of the lifts, uh, get it a little bit more into functionality and less into the power stage of their lifting of the the off season. So it becomes a little bit more functional, a little bit more let your let your muscles um, start to do a little bit more swinging and throwing and a little bit less in the actual weight room. That's usually where I would be about now. And then you're getting close to like, yeah, yeah, you got You got to build up the arm strength and the swing strength and all that kind of like the amount of reps you're doing. So guys would be starting to spend a little bit more time in the batting cage. But you can do like if you're a veteran like Ian. You can do a lot of that at spring training. You don't have to feel like you got to come in ready to impress because they know what you can do. It's just a matter of they use as you become a veteran, you start to use spring training a little bit more for getting ready and less for impressing. And when you're a young guy, you got to show up or, or you're a free agent sign. You got to show up to impress. And you got to be ready to go as soon as you, you hit the batting cage in the field. Got to be ready to impress. Is so, it important yeah. that you dress to impress? I guess everyone wears kind of the same things. That's something pretty funny about baseball is that the managers, I think, is so funny, wear the uniform. You know, they like, I always picture, like, can you imagine a football coach on the sideline with, like, with Andy pads on. pads on? <laughs> in the Super Bowl. Yeah, but, there's probably uh, a reason We are recording that. this right before the Super Bowl. This is the, the big game, which, which we've talked about this before. NFL is unique to me. Uh, I'm sure there's other sports, but other than baseball, which is what you played for our listeners, if they're unaware, mm-hmm. baseball playoffs are either, well, there's the playoff game, one wild card game, but then there's five game series. But really, when it really matters, seven games. Whereas NFL, you got one shot and then, yeah. sorry, Detroit, but one opportunity, you know? Yeah, right. You have a bad game. It's all over. There's no yeah. doubt about it. So, so anyway, we could talk about that, but we are going to tee up our interview with Sam Kirkpatrick and we met Sam. I met Sam recently. I don't know how long you've known him, but yeah, I, I've known him for a couple months just over the phone. Uh, but we recently got to be in the where we play event on Belmont's campus with the American Psychiatric Association Foundation. And I got to interview Sam for part of a panel. Uh, he's yeah. one of the Belmont student athletes that uh, I got to know a little bit through a couple conversations and then was able to bring some of his mental health journey and some of the things he's passionate about to the stage at Belmont's Fisher Center and really amazing young guy. I mean, really far and above maturity wise than most uh, young people, certainly probably me at that age and uh, really courageous in in some of the things that he's done already in his life. So this is uh this is going to be a great conversation, and Sam's a very very sharp uh, young college guy. Yeah, no doubt. But before we get to the interview, and we'll tee that up, uh, it is time for our. Yep, I like it. 
uh, sports scenario. So this one is in alignment with the question that I just asked you. But when okay. you are transitioning, right, you are got a couple months preparing to go into your sport, you know, especially when you were in high school. Now, this is a little bit different because high school, sometimes there's some overlap. Sometimes you end, you know, football or soccer and you go right into basketball or sometimes the basketball and the football were overlapping. But if you're just a one sport athlete, I saw these kids out when I was driving by yesterday. I saw it's February 7th. I saw all the baseball players outside kind of preparing and getting ready. But in the last like two weeks, I'm talking two weeks, what are some some of the keys that you would suggest as an athlete is going into their season for the year ahead? Yeah, uh, because because you have a larger, longer off season uh, at times, the adrenaline is is different during that period of time. You're not the pressure isn't on um, the closer and closer you get to the season, the more you start to feel the excitement of the season, the adrenaline rush starts to come get a little bit closer. And then to that first game, which is so exciting. Uh, it's a little bit also uh, anxiety. There might be some anxiety. For most people, it's it's excitement before the season. And it's really beautiful as a baseball player because you start at ground zero. You know, everybody's batting zero, zero, zero before the year. And, you know, if you start the year over for the first game, it's not like, the, you know, you, you got time. You got plenty of time. So it's easier to, uh, I feel like, feel like it's a brand new season um, if it's the first week of games or something like that. You just, I think that there's anticipation there. There's excitement. There's adrenaline that starts to flow. But but I think uh, the thing that I wish I would have done a little bit more of as I was getting ready for a season is start to prepare and, and do some more visualization of mm -hmm. what I wanted to happen. Um, I think there's a there's a, a level of somatic, physical type of check-in stuff that you could start to do before you get into practice in those games, visualization, but also where's my body at? Because it's easy when you're doing academics and you know, you're just training, even the training mindset, it's hard to get into a trusting mindset where you're just letting it flow when you're doing a lot of academics and a lot of training ahead of time. So one of the ways to do that is to do a breathing mindfulness exercise, a somatic check-in, which is a physical check-in where you're breathing, you're feeling what, what, what is in your body right before you go into a practice or go into that first few games. Like, because what that does is it takes your, your mind out of the training and into the, this is where my body's at. I'm going to stay right here. Cues of like the, the physical body, the kin, the kinetics of, of what you need as you start to focus on your, your, your play in the game and not, not overanalyzing that. People talk about finding that flow state yeah. a lot. And we, the, the prep work has been done and now it's time to prepare your mind, your body to get into that flow state where you're just reacting and doing those things. So maybe a takeaway is, you know, for this particular scenario is, you know, set, set a timer, seven minutes and just try to visualize uh, your body, you know, being in those moments. Um, I think about most recently, JJ McCarthy from the University of Michigan. Um, we don't endorse the University of Michigan here at Champion Forward, but they did win the national title. <laughs> and uh, everybody covered him sitting, you know, he would go onto the field early on and he would sit on the goalposts and he would, you know, visualize and he would kind of connect and connect with the, the experience. So, yeah, good advice. that's definitely something right. to do. I mean, well, let me yeah. say one more uh, thing. We, we had we had Dave. You know, you know, you remember yeah. Dave, yeah, um, Dave Austin, Dave Austin has his game ready system. And that's a way that he helps athletes like get into that, that state uh, pregame. And I did a few of those with Dave uh, over time. And, and there's a lot of people, not just Dave, but there's a lot of good mental skills coaches that offer that level of let me help you get prepped for each game. You know, um, that's not kind of what we're doing here necessarily at champion forward, but but it's definitely a valuable tool and an asset uh, if, if that's something that you struggle with going from that training into the trusting mindset. All right. Well, speaking of high performers, we're going to now hear some from Sam Kirkpatrick, uh, baseball player in, entering his senior year season at Belmont. So enjoy the episode with Sam Kirkpatrick, and we'll see you on the other side. We are here with Sam Kirkpatrick. Sam, thanks for joining us, man. You are a senior at Belmont University here in Nashville. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. 
Yeah, you're a senior, man. Do you have senioritis? <laughs> not, not yet. Not yet. I think right now I'm just focused on preparing for our season, which starts in two weeks from today, actually. So okay, I'm pumped. Well, we'll have to dive into that. Um, I'd be happy to give you any tips, tricks, pointers of how I prepared for my seasons early on in seventh, eighth grade. If anything <laughs> beyond that, we need Ben to probably give some insight and <laughs> in how he positioned you there. But um, as we mentioned in the beginning, you know, Sam and Ben were connected, just participated in an event recently here in Nashville called the Where We Play Initiative, sponsored by the APAF. And Sam, uh, without making it too cheesy, really hit a home run in his interview, just talking about his own experience. Uh, we've got so much to dive into today with you, Sam, but uh, I want to hear, just like take it back to the beginning. This is normally where we go with athletes. Where did it begin for you? What sports did you play and how did, how did you get to where you are right now? Okay. Yeah. Um, my, so I think really at the very beginning is I'm three years old and we have one of these like really old TVs, the one where it's not a, it's not a flat screen. It's like, it's like a box and the, the TV is kind of curved at the front and my dad always had Yankees games on, on the television. And he, he and my mom met in New York city in the nineties. It's where they met, they got married. It's where my older sister was born and they, they became Yankees fans, particularly my dad. And so I always just remember one of my first memories of consciousness was watching Yankees games upstairs with my dad. And then when I was four, I got a baseball bat and a glove and a ball for Christmas, still probably my favorite gift I've ever gotten. And then we just took it from there. I played every day with him in the backyard. I started playing on an actual team when I was seven. Um, started playing travel a few years later and found out that I did have some natural God-given talent. And at that time, I was also, I was doing other sports. I was playing basketball. I was playing flag football. I was swimming on a swim team in the summer. But baseball was always the the one sport I really loved and felt at home doing. And then fast forward to sophomore year of high school, I had quit basketball. I'd quit swimming. I'd quit football long before. And then just really focused on baseball, um, really trying to see where it could take me, where I could play in college. And, and yeah, now I, I uh, played, played serious travel ball from 10U to 17U. And when Maybe a little later we can get into some of those those mentors from that team that really pushed me and helped me get to where I am today. But I played at Holy Cross in Massachusetts my first two years and then entered the transfer portal and ended up back home in Nashville at, at Belmont University. Entered the portal. We're hearing that yeah. a lot lately, right? Like six, seven years ago, if you would have used the phrase entered the portal, someone would be like, what the heck are you talking about? Now yeah. we just hear it all the time. Like, oh, he's entered the portal. Uh, so you did that. You find your way back to Belmont. Um, are you from Nashville originally? I'm from Franklin. It's, it's right outside of Nashville. I went to high school at um, a, an all boys school here in Nashville. And so spent most of my time up here, but thought at the the all knowing age of 17 that I wanted to get out of the South and see a, see a different part of the country and, and you and did kind of get out where I'd always been. Yeah. Well, and before then, we get too far in this, we got to talk about that, that Yankees team that you watched growing up. So you're 22. So three years old. So 19 years ago. So who was on that early, like 2004, 2005, oh, was that Derek, Derek Jeter? It was. Neal, I still, Lock. Yeah, Derek Jeter is my favorite player of all time. He's the reason that I started playing shortstop. Sorry, Ben. I love Derek Jeter. Um, he's hey, the reason so I started I. playing. He's the goat. <laughs> he's the reason I started playing short. Like I remember when I was a kid, when I was probably like five or six, I would watch Derek Jeter videos on YouTube and then just go upstairs into our our den and put the put like a whatever I was watching it on at the time. There was like a, a PC up there, and I would just play the videos and then try to reenact each play that he would make where like there's that famous catch where he he's sprinting and he catches the ball and then he dives into the stands I would like try to do that tossing the ball up to myself like diving onto the couch so he's the reason I started wanting to play shortstop I wore two my entire life until actually I got to Belmont and and yeah, yeah. other 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 goats on that team I always loved Mark Teixeira um, I loved Jorge Posada and his no batting gloves. I always thought that was so cool. Mm. Uh, you had Andy Pettit, Mo, and then some other Yankee favorites along the way, for sure. 
I okay. must have been a couple. I must have been a couple years behind there. But don't forget Derek Jeter. He's also a family man. I don't know if you saw recently, but he had his flight canceled and he drove all night to get home to his family in his in, in his Grand Wagoneer. That's right. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I've seen a lot of his Wagoneer commercials lately. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I might have hey, to get one later. On and off the field, he's a good example. So Ben, you got to jump in here. Oh no! Well, I have some experiences with these guys, and. Uh, what I think stands out the most to me is a couple of different scenarios, just Derek Jeter appreciation for a second. But uh, I think the way he's handled himself with the media always is something I've looked up to uh, as a player early on in my career. When I made my first all-star game in 2009, I was in his batting practice group and also took ground balls with him at shortstop. I mean, like that's the dream, right? Sam, like I was watching him win when I was in high school not getting any college scholarship offers. I was watching him win World Series with the Yankees. You know, and here I am now, 10 years later, I'm on an all-star team, playing against him on a regular basis in the uh, American League East and standing next to him, taking ground balls and talking to him. I'm like, dude, how do you deal with like this? Because there's a media frenzy at the all-star game. It's always media everywhere. And I was like, how do you deal with this on a regular basis? Because he's one of these guys that just gets followed around by cameras and journalists all the time. And he goes, you know, uh, it's really all I've known since I was 18 years old. So it's, it's something that I've just gotten used to over the years. It's part of, part of my life. And I read in his book, I didn't tell him about this at the time, but I had read in his book earlier. Do you know, you know the book I'm talking about, Sam? Yes, yes. What's the name of it? I probably have it on my shelf somewhere. But uh, I read this Derek Jeter uh, memoir at, at some level where he talked about his upbringing and, and, and he talked is it, about that first Is it the captain? I, it might be. It's, I, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the older, it's the, the first book he came out with. Probably. Is it the, it's called like Jeter unfiltered or something or the yeah. contract. It's for, I think it's from like 2014. It, it talks about his youth really. Um, and, and really his upbringing a lot. And one of the things he talked about was how hard it was when he first started out in pro ball and he, he would, he was struggled with the, with the glove mightily. Yeah. Uh, made a lot of errors early on in his rookie in rookie ball. And he just wondered if like he made a huge mistake signing out as a high school kid going into professional baseball. And then, you know, you see after a few years, he, he makes that, he continues to grow and get better and it got better over time. Obviously he then becomes a rookie and does amazing in the major leagues. It becomes a, a World Series champion multiple times and the captain of the Yankees ultimately. But I watched him do his work and watched how methodical he was and also just how he just kind of shrugged his shoulders like this is this is what I do. Like I work every day and there's all these things going on around, but he didn't really let it bother him. It was part of the job. He saw it as part of the job. So he I always had a lot of respect for that. The first time I ever met him on the bases in this is rewinding, but the first time I met him, he called me by my name. He's like, hey, hey, Zoe, welcome. You know, glad you're here, man, kind of a thing. I'm on second base. He's at short. So I'm like, Derek Jeter just called me Zoe, you know, That's and I'm awesome. like, it was, yeah. it was an amazing experience to have that. So anyways, he he is a great guy um, at my experiences with him in the major leagues were he's he's a he's a great dude. So we can yeah. probably move so, on. We've talked about Derek. So you're, you're, uh, <laughs> you're, you're playing shortstop. Um, you're coming into your senior year. What are some of your goals that you have this year? And is there any aspirations beyond this year for you, Sam? I'd say my biggest goal going into this year, well, I have two goals. My, my biggest goal is for us to win the conference championship. This is our second year in the Missouri Valley. We were in the OVC before that. We switched, we, we switched to the Missouri Valley last year, which is my first year here. Really good conference, took it up a level. Um, and I think we have a really strong group of upperclassmen who, who have a lot of college experience. And I'd say second goal, my personal goal is just to stay healthy and be able to play the whole season. I always have random injuries that I get banged up throughout the year and to just enjoy it. Um, knowing that this is my, my senior year to try to just have fun every single time I step between the lines and just be grateful to be out there. All right. So part of being a college athlete is you also go to college. Uh, what are you studying? You do. Yeah. There, you, you have to play, play student sometimes mm -hmm. too. Um, I'm a global leadership studies major and Spanish minor. I finished, I finished the Spanish 
Uh, it's really just like international relations. Um, I, sí, I thought Espanol. Yeah, sí, por supuesto. Sí. Um, I actually Quiero just had. Quiero hablar español. Si Ben, tú no puedes aprender que hablar. Sí. Ben. Oh, ¿por qué? listen, listen. Uh, I haven't been immersed in it enough. Okay. See, so, immersion. That's a immersion. Topic you play. You play pro into. baseball. Is that yeah. that's immersion? They they don't want to speak Spanish to us English guys. They They're like, no, 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 no. You speak English with me because we're yeah. in your country. Like if okay, I was going down to Venezuela or Dominican, they want you to speak Spanish. But okay, really. so your Spanish minor, global yeah. leadership studies, international relations. What got you interested in that? So I thought I thought when I was in high school that I wanted to do something in like foreign affairs foreign policy. And so I started initially as an international relations major at the school I was at before. And then when I transferred to Belmont, it was, you know, NCAA, you have to have a certain amount of a certain percentage of a major at the new school finished when you transfer to be eligible. And they don't, they don't have an international relations major here at Belmont. So it was like the most similar to that. But now I, I don't even know if I want to actually go into the political world at all. I, I really just want to stay working in baseball. But it, it did play out nicely in that we took a, a team mission trip with our, our Belmont team to Nicaragua in August, and I got to serve as our team translator, which was really Wow, fun. let's go. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, the power of immersion, man. I've actually been just listening to a podcast on that, and that's especially true with language. I mean, you throw yourself there. It's amazing how much you can learn and, and experience and uh, grow. So. I'll be interested to see where, where this life takes you and where your continued career goes. Um, but one thing that you were talking about at this event on uh, the APAF event was, number one, you started a clothing brand called I Am Vulnerable, uh, or I'm Vulnerable. I apologize if I messed that up. But I want to hear about that. And I also want to hear about kind of how you, how you got to that point. Like, we're obviously so passionate of at Champion Forward talking about you know, the power of connecting to your own story, being authentic, opening up about your struggles. And so obviously there's a starting point of, and then to launch a clothing brand, you obviously had to have your own experience. So take us on that journey with you and then tell us a little bit about that, clo that, that clothing brand. Yeah. Thank you. Um, let me see. I, we, we talked a little bit at, at the panel, but I can go more in depth for sure. I think Do it, it. it's, do it. Let's stem, go. Um, Summer of 2022, Ben. I don't know if you ever got the the chance to play in the Northwoods League. I know you probably know about it. Wausau Woodchucks. You played for the Woodchucks. Let's go, All right, baby. It was the Wisconsin Woodchucks at the time. At now the they time. changed to Wausau because the Mallards didn't like that they oh. were called Wisconsin. Was it at the yeah. same field with the the sun delay that just pierces the, the oh, batter's box, dude? Yeah, like like good good luck seeing when the sun is going down over the left center wall. Yeah, we played we played at Wausau that year, and I was facing this lefty from Florida State right when the sun was going on, and he he walked me on four pitches. I could not have I could not have seen a single pitch. That was, <laughs> I was really grateful for that, but they they don't take a delay or anything. But anyway, so I was playing in Kalamazoo, actually, hometown of, of Derek. What's up, Derek? And so I played for the Growlers, <laughs> and he Derek Jeter always finds his way back in. So I was playing for the Growlers, and I'd actually I wanted to play in the Northwoods for a really long time. I would, I'd always like heard about it when I was in high school, and kind of told it's like your closest experience to minor league baseball without actually playing. It is that's minor that's league baseball. How it's touted for sure. Yeah, that's that's how they market it. So as you know, grueling summer. We played like seventy-seven games in seventy-five days, and the actual I I didn't I didn't have like any actual days off from playing because the All Star break was like the main day off. And I, I did make the all-star team, but we had to drive. And it was in Wisconsin Rapids, which was like nine hours from Kalamazoo. So we had to drive there. But anyway, I was, I was having the best summer of my life. Like I was playing every day. I was hitting like 350 for the first month of the season, which was the best I'd ever hit. And I, I got selected to start the all-star game. And I get to the all-star game feeling super confident. And then I see all, all these other guys that are there. Like I walk into the locker room to show up for the first like day opening ceremonies. And a guy who was supposed to be the starting shortstop with me, I, I was playing second then is leaving. Cause he just got drafted that day in like the fifth round. So he's not going to play in the all-star game. Cause he's got to, he's got to go report. And, and so I'm looking at all the, the names of the guys that are on this team. And it's like some dudes I'm looking at, it's just all power five schools. All these dudes are massive. 
And I'm thinking like, I don't, I don't belong here. I do not deserve to be here. I've played from this low level division one school. I'm, I'm small. I'm very scrappy style player. I'm watching the home run derby later. And like, these guys have tools that I do not have. And so I'm looking back on that first half of the summer thinking this might've been a fluke. Maybe I'm not actually this good. I don't really feel like I deserve to be here. And so all-star game happens. I'm going back to my team and I'm really starting to wonder if I can, if I can continue that success. If, as you know, baseball is a game of failure. And so the more I had success, the more I knew that failure was going to come at some point. And it just seemed totally inevitable to me then that, that like convincing others that I was good enough to start the all-star game and that it was all just luck and a result of timing, which is what I believed at the time that that was just going to come upon me like eventually. And so obviously, as I started to think that I wasn't actually that good, the, the failure started to come immediately. And as you know, in summer ball, and especially in the Northwoods League, baseball is all you do. You get back from a road trip, you wake up, you go work out, hit, you go to the field, you play, you go home, you sleep, and you just you do it all over again. And so I, I didn't have any other outlets. That, that was the only thing I was doing that entire summer. And it became like way too much for me to handle on my own. And I kind of like downward spiraled until one day after a game, I think we were in, we were in green Bay and I played, I played fine, but it was just completely overwhelming. And I picked up the phone and I called my dad and I remember just breaking down on the phone, crying to him, feeling like at my end, like I couldn't play baseball another day that year. It was already my 110th game of the year, which is, is really nothing when you get to, to pro ball and stuff. But mm-hmm. at that point, I just felt beat spent physically, mentally, emotionally. And I tried playing for another week and a half, two weeks until a point we were in, in Kokomo and I felt myself just like shaking in the batter's box. I, I couldn't like calm my body down or slow my mind down at all while I was in the game of hitting. And immediately after that bat, I, I went back to the locker room and I just sat there with my hands in my face and I was like, I cannot, I can't do this anymore. This is, I, I have an unhealthy relationship with a game right now that I'm supposed to love. And if I continue in this trajectory, I'm, I might not be able to continue playing. And so I, I talked to my coach, kind of explained everything that was going on. And I stepped away from the team. I was team captain for that team. And we, we, we'd won the, the division. So we were going in the playoffs and, and I left. And that was really hard for me to speak in front of the team and tell them like what was going on. But I, I think I didn't realize that one that I'm not the first person to ever go through something like this. Since then, I've read a lot of really good stuff. I know Stephen Kwan has been a really, um, he's been a voice in major league baseball for imposter syndrome and for just the mental side of baseball in general with his being so undersized. And then after I spoke to, to my team, I had some guys kind of throughout the, come up to me and the dugout, we were in, in Rockford, Illinois, and they were, they just, came up kind of one by one and just told me a little bit of their own story throughout the game. And I wasn't playing that night. Um, and it was just one by one guys just telling me little bits, bits and pieces of how something that I said related to them. And I was like, wow, nobody would have ever known this or felt like they could, could talk about this if I hadn't kind of opened that door to be that outlet for conversation. So a few days later, I, um, I wrote a piece, just kind of my journey down that, down that path for the last year and I posted it on Instagram and got so many comments and replies and texts and calls from other athletes and really not just baseball players, other athletes just telling me like, man, your, your story, like this is, this is something I've felt or I know someone that's felt this way and they quit. They, they didn't make it or they, they kept playing and they, it just ruined the game for them. And it was, it was really empowering for me to, to realize that this is something that can start conversation and can give, give people a place where they feel like they don't have to have it all, all together. And they can continue to keep playing and not just think that their career is over. So that was in, that was in the end of the summer. And then I kind of had some conversations here and there with people about it. And then I realized, like, I need to – this is what I stand for. I need to – I need to do something about this to market this and, and wear this literally on my chest. So I don't know the first thing about graphic design or website design. 
So I, I called a friend actually who helped me design some of the logos. The, the initial logos are hilarious. It's like me drawing stick figures of, of what I, I wanted the, the logo in and different designs to be like on shirts and, and hats and sweatshirts and stuff. But she did an amazing job creating stuff. And then I, I made a website, got, got a ton of products, did a photo shoot, created Instagram page, et cetera, and then just, just went full go. And uh, the, the main point of starting it wasn't so much to start a clothing brand. It was to create an outlet for people to, to share what, what they've been through, really. I mean, everyone has their, their own personal story, however cliche that may sound. And it's, it can be really transformational to read what someone else has experienced to find ways that you can relate to them and then also feel empowered that if they've made it through that, if they've been able to take what's been given them and create something even greater out of it, then, then you can do the same. And so the, the best part of, of I'm vulnerable is really just using it as a platform for, for other people to write about and kind of let out everything that they've kept in for so long, which can be a really cathartic experience to finally put, put pen to paper on just diving into who you are and how you got to where you are today. Wow. I, I love that, man. Um, there's so many things about that story that stick out to me. Uh, but what I want to highlight is, which I think is more rare, what I want to highlight is uh, not only the immediate sharing, which you did in the Northwoods League with your team, but their immediate response, right? So that was like a team experience. And then immediately going, I need to do something with this. Like there, I can't just keep this to myself. I can't, you, you wrote about it and you know, you found a, you know, obviously a, a way to do that through Instagram, but then you took it even a further step from that and, and took your own story and said, okay, now I'm going to be creative. I'm going to put this into the world in my way, which is I'm going to put it into onto some clothing. I'm going to wear it and create something where hopefully someone else will will potentially respond to this and and find a, a you know that they will resonate with it and dude that that is so inspirational for how old are you 21 21 i mean like this is this is like really advanced stuff like most of us that are in our 40s are still trying to figure out how to do this what part of our life can we be creative in and what what part of our story makes sense to be able to share and create uh, something that benefits other people, right? And you're already doing that at the age of 21. And, and I think the more we talk about these things and highlight them and say, wow, this is inspirational. We all need to be doing this in our own ways. The more younger and younger people will, will, will be able to do that. So, dude, I have so much admiration for a guy at your level being able to do that. And at the same time, I'm like going, wow, there's so many things we could pull at, pull the thread of here. Yeah. And I think one thing that was, thank you, man. One, one thing that was really helpful for me too, was having a group of mentors that I knew I could reach out to who, who I really looked up to and who I knew would give me really strong, either just godly advice or just treat me first off as a human and someone that they care about and want to invest in. One, one of those guys being actually um, Tony Kemp, who was on, the, who was on a, another panel last Sunday. He and I have been close for the last like three or four years since he started training at a facility I, I trained at here in Nashville. And I remember texting him during, the, during this time, and he was, he was mid-season. This was in J July and August. He's mid-season, he's taking the time to text me and call me after, even like literally after some of his games. And one, one thing that he's, he texted me that really stuck, stuck out to me was he said, like, it's obviously easier said than done, but one day you're going to – you're going to be done playing baseball and I don't want you to regret not enjoying it. And he told me about some of his own just stories of a failure and dealing with that on his own from when he was at Vanderbilt and, and when he got drafted and, and that minor league experience and realizing that this is someone that I'd already been looking up to for years. And he's already walked this path in front of me before was, was really huge. Wow. Yeah. I, I love Tony. I'm friends with Tony as well. And, and have heard quite a bit of his story but to you know it's it, it's a different level when a guy at that you know is playing major league baseball and is able to take a pause in his own experience and reach out to somebody that's at the college level a young guy 
trying to help him come up. It just speaks to Tony's uh, character, but also some of the things. And I know part of his story, the people that have plugged into him. And, yeah. you know, you've got he had coaches. Coach Corbin was a big part of his story. He shared some of that on Sunday. Uh, but some of that experience of through Vanderbilt into pro ball, it's easier when you look back and go, wow, okay, I, I, I need to be able to share this because this might be able to help somebody younger than me. And ultimately, as a caretaker and a coach myself now, in various ways, I, I want to speed up the curve for somebody that's 21, speed up the yeah. curve for somebody that's 15, 17, 19. If we can do that by sharing our stories, Tony's doing it, other people are doing it. If we can all find a way to, to know our story, know ourselves well enough, that's what we talk about awareness a lot, right, John? If we, we find a way to do that, become more aware of what we've been through and how we can potentially, which we would have done something different, we can plug that back in, right, to, the, to, to you guys and potentially you're already doing it. I mean, that's, it just yeah. speaks volumes. Yeah. I got to jump in here. This is Sam, bro. That, that, that is awesome, man. Like, and that explains to me now why, when I was around you, you have this, um, for people that haven't met you, you have this contagious enthusiasm about you Thank and you, you have this, you, this energetic presence. And the three, the three things that we talk about as a result of what we try to teach people in our organizations, we talk about motivation, vitality, and presence. And I think those are three words that I would use in the short time of knowing you to describe you. Like you seem motivated. You seem driven in a very healthy way. You have appropriate goals. And then you just have an energy and an enthusiasm about you, but it's controlled. And I think that's where you see vitality. You have a vigor. I mean, it sounds like you're a, a natural leader, but then you also have presence. Like I, I sense you're super present in the moment. And those are things that we talk about are actually results of some of the front-end skills that we try to teach people. And when you were telling that story, it was like we talk about awareness, balance, and connection. And I was going through, and you were like checking each box, bro. Like awareness we talk about is having a conscious knowledge of your thoughts, feelings, patterns, surroundings, abilities, and challenges. Okay, well, let's take let's, – like, let's rewind that story, man. Like you are noticing something's not right. Yeah. You're like, hey, something's not right. I'm not sure what's wrong, but it's something's not right. And you paused, you, 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 and then you moved into to connection. You were like, hey, who do I need to be talking to? We talk about connection as having meaningful interaction with authentic communication and feedback. Like it took courage, bro, for you to go and be like, hey, dad, I'm not, I'm not right. Okay. I want to hear more about that conversation with your dad, but it took courage to reach out to people and admit that. Like to have that authenticity to be like, I'm the captain. We're going into the playoffs. The easier thing that the easier thing would have been, let's just grind through it. Let me just mm -hmm. push through it. And let me go be the captain that I am. Let me be the hero that I am. But you eventually slowed down. You got off that treadmill of life. And then you implemented balance, which is so beautiful to see because That's in right. the moment, I can't believe how painful that must have been, man. Like, in that moment, we talk about balance as having a healthy division of time, energy, and attention given to your responsibilities. Like your responsibility as a captain on paper was to lead that team. And I think you did that at an even greater level than if you would have played because you demonstrated yeah. the fact of like, I'm unplugging because I'm not right. And now I see the benefit of that decision where you're going into your senior year, you're impacting people. And I think about the cascading effect of you being aware and implementing balance through those connection opportunities that you had for people to come and share with you. And that's like, that's going to change your life forever. I mean, it did, it already did and it will continue to, but um, I'm so thrilled to have you on and share that story because many of the people that we're talking to are later on in their life, but you're actually living it. You're in it. And you're a, you're a proof that when you follow these types of natural things that aren't always easy, it can produce tremendous change and positive outcome. Thank you. Um, I just realized awareness, balance, connection, a little, little ABC, but we can, we can get into that for sure. Um, I, I liked what you said about then what you're talking about, your feelings and your emotions during this time. I, I started what, what, after all this was happening, I, I called the sports psychologist I've been working with at my prior school, who I actually still meet with today. He's amazing. And he was talking about your emotions. 
being aware of them and how these are these are your natural responses to things. But at the same time, you you can't let them kind of control you. And so he talked about your emotions as something they're actors. They're they're acting up on a stage and you're sitting in the audience and you're watching them. And it's okay to admit like I'm feeling stressed today. I'm feeling nervous for this at bat. And just voicing those those feelings that that you're going to go through. But in the same way too, you control how you respond to them. And I think it becomes kind of a conditioned process to be able to recognize those emotions as something that you're watching and they're, they're kind of performing and, and doing their own thing. And then I think a lot of this stemmed from a lack of balance that I had during that summer. I, I, I think I realized that I was missing so many pillars of my life that are integral to who I am, which is something my mom really developed in me at a, a young age. Like I remember being in middle school and there was this, there was this sheet that she had printed out for me and, and my two sisters. And it was like, what are your pillars? And it was this analogy of like a house. And I think it was something that we'd got through our church. And it was talking about how like you have your foundation. Um, and then you have, you have some other pillars that are holding up your structure. And if you have that foundation of your faith and, and of Christ, then there are a lot of other things. There's not just one central thing that's holding up the rest of your house. And so we had, we had to talk to her, I think I was 12 at the time, about like, what are some things that we care about and we're really passionate about and we're interested in? And how do we mold all of those different things into who we are? And I think during that summer, I remember thinking about that paper, that hmm. printout that she'd given us and realized I had written baseball on it during that time, but that was the only pillar that I had. And so naturally my, my structure was, was kind of falling wow. on top of itself. And and then, and then as, as you were saying, it was like, I realized that the, the first thing I needed to do was go back to, to my roots, to the gr- a group of people that I knew um, I could reach out to and I could trust with, with this information and be really open and, and vulnerable with them. And one of those was being my dad. That was why he was the, the first person that I called because he had always told me, I think this has been, as you're, you're talking earlier about being a coach and a caretaker. I think my dad did an incredible job letting baseball kind of always be my own thing. And he still does to this day. He's never been one to to tell me after games things I should have done differently or, or should have done instead. He always just lets me know, like, if you want to talk about it, like, I'm here. He, he's not one to to correct. And that's facilitated some really honest conversations with him throughout the years about sometimes about just literally play I wish I I'd done differently or pitch I should have swung at but then in a lot of times too just like how I'm feeling about the game and I remember car ride with him in um, freshman year of high school Uh, I think I had a rough game and when we were driving home and he told me he was just like he was being a dad in this moment he was like hey son I just want you to know like your, your baseball career is your own. You can keep going and you can stop playing at the same time whenever you want. And I'll love you just the same. And I remember I was super fired up about the game and how I, I messed up. And in that moment, I remember telling him as we were driving on the interstate home, at no matter how much I, I might hate it down the road, don't ever let me quit. And, and I told him that as we were in the car there and he was like, okay, okay. Like, just remember, it's up to you. But he's, he's been really encouraging and supportive on that front of letting me know that he, he's always there to, to have a conversation whenever I need it. Dude, that, I, I love that. Like, you sounds like your parents. And I met your mom actually on Sunday for a second. I really? went out into, yeah, I went out into the lobby and she came and introduced herself to me. And I didn't get a chance to chat with her. But that just says so much about your parents and their, forethought and care for you as a young athlete, um, both of them in, in their own ways, right? I'm curious about that pillars idea. What were other options for pillars that would have balanced out your house? Do you think back at that young age of, of, you know, adolescence where you were trying to have this conversation with your mom? Yeah, I think some of them were, it was like, I think I kind of cheated the system a little bit and I used baseball, but then I put like the three other sports I was playing into another box. Cause I knew baseball was the most important, but I still like doing these other sports. And then another one 
was like um playing playing with my neighborhood friends i know that that was one of them another one was school i i learned by that point i think i was in seventh grade i, I learned at that point school was important and and then i think the other one that was it was like the, the foundation was like my faith and then one of the the pillar one of the other pillars was like going to church and, and reading the bible and stuff which at, at that time i i um thought i thought those those things were just like the paramount most important things of being a christian not realizing that those are just like additions to to your walk and ways that you practice but so you, so you had like a you understood even at that age as a young adolescent like okay i have friends need to be important i need to have some some level of socialization outside of baseball in your neighborhood i need to have school obviously education is important and then faith is important right not just okay, Jesus is my foundation, but also I need to actually devote myself to some of the practices of right. what my faith are too, which is going to church or reading the Bible or things like that. And those are all good pillars, but would you, what would you change now as you look into that? Like what, what would be different pillars now as you look, look at that house and what you're trying to build for your future as a 21 year old? I'd say some of those would be the same for sure. I think having that that core group of people that you can be yourself with and use that as an as an outlet to kind of let go of some of the the more tense moments of life. I'd say another pillar would really be in ma maintaining relationships with my family. I think as I as I've gone throughout college I've been a lot of times so occupied in what I was doing at the moment running from lift to practice to to go do homework to study to try to get some food in and freshman sophomore year I really did a bad job of staying in touch with with my my parents and my sisters and so now I've been trying to do a lot better job of staying connected to those people who I love and I know really care about me a ton and then another would be just now as a senior remembering where I was when I was a freshman and people that I that were seniors then that that mentored me and encouraged me and picked me up when I was down and didn't understand the world of college baseball then so I've been trying to to do that for some other younger kids either on the team or some guys that are still going through recruiting process so being able to give back in ways that I know really really helped me to get to where I am today and then another one of those would still be for sure li I think living out my faith more than just like the most rigid practices. There's another kid on the team and I who lead a, a guy's Bible study every Monday night. And it has been so beautiful to see my brothers that I go to battle with on the field open up a, a side of themselves that as men, sometimes we kind of just, we keep to ourselves. We don't talk a lot about our emotions and our, our doubts and our worries and, and laying them on the father and watching guys from from the side uncover and discover some of these things on their own is incredibly rewarding well john dude this kid i say kid i'm gonna call you a kid because you're you're literally i'm four i'm twice your age i'm 42 sam so we're like perfectly twice yeah. the age right now okay if i could go back and be best friends with somebody at 21 i would tell my kid go be best friends with sam <laughs> okay like this this guy i mean just the things you're saying just they, they do have there's so much wisdom to them but you're reaching out you're really well connected to the people that you really care about and you're pursuing connection on a regular basis not mm -hmm. just not just connection with anybody but authentic connection with people who have proven are your your core people your core uh, you know and and then also maintaining a level of balance. Like, yes, you're pursuing your sport. You're loving your sport. You're enjoying it. You're doing a lot of activity with that and school at the same time as pursuing your faith, right? You're making time for other things that are important to you. And, and gosh, man, I, I'm just really impressed. Thank you. Ditto. Ditto, man. You, you, you guys should just revert to a, a prior state of life and we could all be homies. Yeah, well, we can be homies now. That's the cool we part can. about still being here. And then for <laughs> hopefully forever, we'll be hanging out. And then I can actually win a World Series title on the next side in the next life. <laughs> uh, but man, 
it's so encouraging, Sam, to to just understand. We talk about MVP a lot, and that's because uh, Ben here, I don't know if you know, was a World Series MVP, actually. So we use that moniker or that acronym in our organization. Uh, ben, that was a joke. I'm checking to see he didn't like it. Okay. Well, all right. Well, he says things like this a lot. He says things like this a lot, Sam. And, I, you know, like I, I'm, I'm flexing with my trophy in the background. He's you know, getting no. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. noticing this fire. I think, yeah. I think he, he's trying to tell you that that's your only identity. Like that's, yeah. that's I know. the only and thing I, and I will continue to battle and let him know that like, <laughs> even though there's a trophy in the background. No, 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 no. Both of us have done amazing things. Like literally between the two of us, Sam, we have 167 career home runs in the MLB. We have two <laughs> World Series titles between the two of us. Like we've done cool Three stuff. all-star games. Three all-star games. Yeah. No, but but we talk about we talk about matter, value, and purpose, bro. And you're <laughs> it, man. Like you understand that you matter. You understand that you matter. And you understand that you matter to your creator. You understand that you matter to your family. You understand that you matter to your community. And you understand that how to bring value. Like you're bringing immense value. You're bringing value through this, your, your vulnerability by embodying it, by providing an outlet for other people to do that. You're bringing value by mentoring, like to, to have this opportunity, man, like you got the next four months to pour into these guys who are going to remember you for the rest of your life. Like those formative years, I can sit here and tell you that guys did that for me. You would, they will remember you for the rest of your life. You're bringing value to your family. Like you're bringing value to your community, to your friends, leading Bible studies, man. And you understand you have a neat, unique purpose. Like you have been trained well and shepherded well by your parents and by others to help you know that baseball is not your purpose. You have a unique purpose to fulfill and it doesn't have to be some grandiose purpose, but it's day in and day out. I can tell that you're pursuing that. And so thanks for coming on. I'm, I'm really glad we got to hear a little bit more of your story. Um, I want people that follow our organization to be able to follow you. And so I want to hear about um, kind of how they can follow you either on social media, find out more about your brand. Um, but I also want to just summarize with the fact that I can tell that you also acknowledge your own brokenness and that behind all the highlights, there's still a lot of hardship. And so, you know, we're not lifting you up to be a hero right now. I think we're just lifting you up the fact that you're a hero in my eyes because you're honoring how human you actually are. And that's so encouraging to Ben and I to just continue to try to try to get people to follow in those footsteps as we stumble through this this journey together. So how can people who want to follow you kind of your 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 journey, your story, how can they stay in touch with you and find out about your your clothing brand and just kind of you personally? Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you bring the social media side. Um, I remember I was in youth group in seventh grade and we were talking about social media and we were talking about how there's this idea that when you look at someone's Instagram, for example, it's only showing the highlights of their life. It's only, only showing like the best possible moments and you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes besides like the, whoa, I'm awesome or what I'm doing is awesome or, or that type of thing. And so I remember thinking then that I didn't want my social media or my Instagram to kind of be that. And so if, if you're looking at my Instagram, you'll see like all, all this stuff that I'm talking about is up there. It's not just the, the championships and the great games that I've had. It's also, there's pictures, hilarious photos of, of my injuries of when I got drilled by a fastball in the face that I made like a, a like a mixtape video from four different video angles about it. And it's also about like the, the clothing brand and it's about my own story and it's about friends that I've lost along the way. And it's, I think it's more something that's just like real. So with that being said, my Instagram is Sam underscore Kirkpatrick 20. And then the, um, the clothing brand is just, I am vulnerable. I think it's, I think there's an underscore at the end. And then the the website for the the clothing company is iamvulnerable.co.com. That was already taken. I couldn't buy it, but .co. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm going to go check it out. I'm going to grab some merch. Uh, I want to be rocking that brand too. And, and I hope that I will do honor to the brand by actually being vulnerable. Start some conversations with it. People are going to ask you what your, what your shirt says or, or your hoodie or whatever. It's cool. It really does. It's a conversation starter for sure. Yeah. Well, Ben, any final thoughts, comments as we wrap up with Sam? Yeah, man. I, I, I just keep going back to what you said about you had an unhealthy relationship with the game you love. You love the game. You love what you get to do on a regular basis, but you recognized you were you were unhealthy in that place, and then you were able to... to um, I think it was part partially your faith, partially the people that were in your life and the ways that things were set up, but you knew 
you knew intuitively uh, how to reach out. And, and that's what I would challenge other people to do is, hey, if you have an unhealthy relationship with something that you love or someone that you love, there, there is conversations that need to be had, right? And, yeah. and when you start to have these conversations on a regular basis and you start to become what I am vulnerable, you recognize that you're vulnerable, that's when real growth and work and change can happen. And, and hats off to you, brother. We need to send him a champion forward hat, John. Um, that's, yeah. my, that's my uh, personal guarantee. We're going to get that to you at some point. Um, so um, I'm going to come watch you guys this year too, because I want to watch Sam on the field at some point this year since you're in Nashville. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'd love that. Thanks for being also us, also man. the hat the hat would be sweet but I'd I'd love to see you at a game for sure <laughs> yeah cool man well thanks for coming on we really appreciate it thank you guys okay right. Ben man oh man oh man Belmont's got a uh, got a great guy in Sam Kirkpatrick I tell you he's not just sharp he's mature right he's he's a young mature guy who who has a few things. A few ideas that are going to serve him well over the next several years of his life. Uh, and, and you know, he's learned some things, especially about this managing the, the internal side of the game. Some mm-hmm. of the skills that, that we hope that a lot more young athletes get connected to. So it was great to hear his story, hear more of his journey. And, and man, he's a guy that I think I said this at the event um, when, when he was with the APAF event. I said, dude, somebody's going to be lucky to hire a guy like that at some point in the near future. He's just a sharp guy. So um, really, really enjoyed that conversation. What did the you first, have? First takeaway, I mean, I you, you can't – well, you could hear how excited I got on the interview. Maybe it was a little too overexcited. But that he was feeling physically, mentally, emotionally burned out. Like he was physically shutting down. And he, he the easy thing to do, especially at that age, is to probably push through. And the harder thing to do was to unplug being the team captain of that summer team. They'd won the division. They were going to the playoffs and he had to get up in front of his teammates and tell them that he was leaving the team. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, you know, when he realized his, his relationship was unhealthy. Uh, I, I think that's a big piece of opening up to his teammates is, is one of the things that really sticks out. I, I can't believe that he was willing to do that right away when he was going through that time. Let me say something else about that too, because he he not only told his teammates, but he actually wrote about it and posted about it on Instagram, which mm, you know, I, I think that is it's it's really challenging to to say that that's a, a you know a good thing to do always because for some people yeah. it may not be the best thing to do. But what it did do is it showed a level of vulnerability and the need and desire for more people need to know that this is a challenge for athletes, right? He became vulnerable immediately. And, and I do think that that's one thing that social media can be beneficial for is you can see that you're not alone. You're not the only person that's ever struggled with what you're struggling with. And Sam was willing to put himself out there right away uh, um, as he, he needed a place to uh, process kind of uh that on on in a public forum and and not ever that's not great for everybody but it worked for him yeah no doubt uh what do you want to bring up next because i have a bunch of takeaways uh well something that stuck out to me that he said is it it always helped him to have mentors that treated him as human and he talked about one of our mutual friends we have tony kemp who major league baseball player and this guy was willing to take calls from him while he was struggling and try to help him. And it shows the level of humility and just genuine uh, care for other people that he, that, that Tony is uh, and, and how necessary and important that is for the mentors in our lives, not only to have quality mentors, but ha- have those mentors be willing to reach out to you in a moment, no matter how busy they are, reach out to you in a moment that feels really heavy. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I think that just showed Sam's value, probably, you know, that something like that, having a guy reach out and say, hey, look, you, it's 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 going to work out like you, you're going to get this figured out. And this is not it's not the end of your career because you're struggling right now. It's just a challenging moment. 
But here's what Tony said. He said, and this is what I think I had written down. One day you're going to be done playing baseball, and I don't want you to regret not enjoying it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's so important. And he also was willing to talk about his own story, right? So anytime we're able to say, hey, yeah, I struggled with this or that. And and Tony even talked about that at Vanderbilt, like before he had his his key year, he got drafted. The year before that was really not 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 good. But he had a guy like Coach Corbin step in and talk to him at the time. So uh, mentors, that's that stuck out to me is talking about mentorship. What about you? Uh, speaking of mentors, the built-in mentor most of the time is Convo with his dad uh, that mm-hmm. he had, and and he referenced that and just you know the caretakers out there as parents, you can be present for those moments. And those are the clutch moments that we talk about that you want to be prepared for that if, you know, we're being honest, you don't want to miss. Like, that's what you want to be there for. You want to be clutching that moment when your kid needs you and how do you hold the space and how are you prepared to be there for them? So they look back and go, this was a moment that my mom or my dad or my grandpa or my aunt was there for me. And here's what he said. He said, my dad did an incredible job of letting baseball be my own thing. He said he was never one to tell me after games what I should have done differently. But he always said, Sam, if you want to talk about it, I'm here. Yeah. And the last thing he said was, your baseball career is your own. You can stop whenever you want, and I'll love you just the same. Your baseball career is your own. You can stop whenever you want, and I'll love you just the same. And you and I both know that, for better or for worse, the stats say right now that kids believe the love from their parents. The majority of children believe the love from their parents is based on their performance in school and in sports. Yeah. It's just whatever's going on in our culture. And so the fact that he communicated that to them, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but he communicated your baseball career is your own. You can stop whenever you want. I love you just the same. But he said, hey, if you want to talk about it, I'm here. And that reminds me of a previous podcast we had with Scott Hamilton, who you're going to hear the exclusive content from Scott and his top three keys to success in just a minute. But that's what he would say. Hey, I'm here. Max, if you want to talk about it, I'm here. Yeah, and if you're lucky enough to actually have two parents like he did, his mom and his dad, that did different things for him. You know, his dad provided that level of, hey, I just want to be here for you and support you. And his mom, while she did that as well, she also challenged him on, hey, your life needs more than just the pillar of baseball. You know, you you need to have some some Mm -hmm. other balance in your life. Challenged him in regards to faith and his interests outside of baseball. And he didn't really realize that that was way out of balance until he hit this moment in college summer league, right? But if you're lucky enough to have both your parents paying attention to balance, connection, healthy connection, this is not about your performance, it's about who you are as a person. Uh, I mean, that's how you end up with a, a guy as mature as Sam is. It doesn't mean that they're not going to go through the bumps in the road. I'm sure there was times his parents were like looking at him going, oh no, is he going to be okay? You know, he's really struggling right now. Is he going to be okay? But uh, at the end of the day, he was more than okay. He's, he's, he's actually leading other young people uh, now in regards to teaching them how to be vulnerable. And uh, it's such a powerful uh, example for young people to follow. I mean, looking at now how he, he's not just trying to mentor and give back through the I am vulnerable stuff, but he's also like leading a guy's Bible study. And he really wants to help brothers in, in, on his team to be better guys and, and trying to figure out how that all fits together. And when, when you start to see, I, I can imagine when, when your parents start to see you as a young person really start to take a leadership role, not only in vulnerability, but in helping other people become the best version of themselves gosh, how proud they must be, right? And and that's really the ultimate goal, I think, as a parent, is you want to see your kids start to thrive and give back. Thrive and give back to the the rest of the world and make an impact in a positive way. And that's exactly what Sam's doing. So the last thing I want to say on that is sometimes I think I imagine the story that I tell myself when I look at Sam and when I was that age, it was like, wow, he's doing big things and I can't go do something big like that. You know, like I'm not the captain of the baseball team and I don't have time or even the energy to think about starting a clothing brand and creating this platform. And you and I talk about that a lot. I think he's balanced his heroic efforts with being human. And so Mm -hmm. if you're in a season where you find yourself just being like, I need to be human right now and I don't think I can go be a hero, that's okay. 
there'll be times when you can be a hero for whatever your unique calling and purpose is that, that you have. And it doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be this big transformational movement. Um, but you and I talk about that. And I think that I want to comment on that because he maybe wasn't in a place at a certain point in time to say, hey, I want to build this platform or build this movement. But then when the time was right, he, he jumped in. Well, sometimes if you're in that hard moment and sometimes the hard moment is what actually catapults you into the inspiration that you're going to have in your life. And that's what ended up happening for him. So I think the hope here is that even if things are hard right now and you haven't found that thing and you don't know what it is, you could be the coach or the caretaker feeling that way too. Like, like where, what is my purpose as I'm just trying to help my kid be a quality human being. But when, when you feel like you don't have anything left and you're burnt out from all the, the, the hustle and bustle, like that might actually be the place that you start to grow in a new way and be inspired toward new purposes that you've never had before. You always say it, your pain becomes your platform, your mess becomes your message, your tests become your testimonies. I mean, you say those things all the time. I I actually don't, that's, you're saying that because you like to say those things. You probably got them from some sort of, you know, was that Martin Luther King that said that? Nothing's original. (laughs) I think it was Michelangelo that said that. Sam, thanks for coming on. That was awesome. Uh, if he's listening to his own episode and hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, remember, we're sending out a lot of content right now. We talked a lot about awareness, balance, connection. We're sending it out via uh, email. So check out our email list. It's in the show notes. Um, also, you can find it on our website. Ben, we'll catch you next time, bro. Thanks for tuning in to the Champion Forward podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please pass it along. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to our email list. We regularly send out content for competitors, caretakers, and coaches that can help them learn more about how to thrive amongst the pressure that they face, both on and off the field. Also, follow us on Instagram. You'll find event updates, stories from our team, and collaboration opportunities. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and we'll see you next time.